Hey, hey, Cubs fans, and welcome to this edition of Cubs on Tap for your August 5th. Can't believe it's already August, ladies and gentlemen. They're playing August baseball on the north side. I am your co-host for today, Ron Luce. I am joined by the Juice Man himself. Mr. Juice, how are you tonight? Ronnie, big sigh of relief after that fly ball by Simeon. But hey, a lot of good things to talk about tonight. We'll break it all down for all you Cub fans out there. Great win. Cubs seem to be on the roll on a roll at home yet again. Absolutely. And yes, just as Juice said, another Cubs victory tonight. This is their fourth straight at home. The Cubs prevail over the Oakland Athletics by a score of six to five. It got a, a little uncomfortable there in the ninth inning, as uh, Juice said. I think every Cubs fan's heart may have slightly skipped. Somewhere between one and seventy-five beats um, on that last fly, <laughs> on that last fly ball uh, by Marcus Simeon, who had an absolute night, which we're going to dive into here. Um, but nonetheless, the Cubs are victorious at home, and they improve to sixty-one and fifty-one uh, as the Redbirds are currently losing to the Dodgers while we record this. So uh, let's uh, let's get started right away. First inning early. Cubs go up 1-0. Nicholas Castellanos has arrived, his first home run as a Chicago Cub. He had a hell of a day, Juice. What do you think about Castellanos today? I thought that home run was hysterical because I was reading a lot of stuff on Twitter as he was talking to the media about he doesn't care if the wind blows in or out. He's just a baseball player. He's going to go out there, put in good at bats, And then he gets into the dugout after that home run. And it was like he was tapping Jason Hayward on the shoulder and going, I didn't get enough of that ball compared to the one that I thought he hit out uh, yesterday mm. um, towards right field. And the the ball was just carrying tonight. I mean, it was just a matter of the wind blowing out. A hotter day meant for a hot night at Wrigley. And uh, it was good to see them get on the board early. We've seen the Cubs in a lot of these road games. They get behind the eight ball. And I know this is at home. They're a different team at home. But – it just seemed like this game was all on the tee for them to dominate. The Oakland Athletics just haven't seen Kyle Hendricks enough. And I feel like Kyle Hendricks is on that same level as like a Clayton Kershaw. Like the Cubs see like a guy in the AL, like a, like a Chris Sale or um, not this year, but like a David Price, where they just don't see very often. And when you don't see that changeup or that two-seam fastball that starts on the outside corner and ends up you know, off the plate and ends up on the outside corner, it's like it's, it's easy to get dominated by Kyle Hendricks because you know he's going to throw strikes. And I just thought that this game from the from the get go was like when I looked at the pitching matchups this morning, I went, if the Cubs don't win this game, it's a real big letdown because it just seemed like everything was going their way. What did you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good assessment of it. You know, it's kind of an advantage. Um, Really, for both sides, right? When you have a really dominant pitcher, uh, obviously Hendricks has been incredible uh, since his um, injury list. I keep wanting to say DL. I got to break my habit of that. But you know, he's he's coming back into the fold of really looking like that vintage Kyle Hendricks that Cubs fans are used to. Um, the problem, like you said, is the Oakland Athletics are not used to that. And when he's dialed up and that changeup's working, and he can throw it to both sides of the plate and paint the corners. You don't stand much of a chance, and and he showed it tonight. Um, you know he goes six and a third tonight, only one hit, 
It just so happened that one hit was his only mistake of the game uh, as Marcus Simeon took him deep for a two-run home run. Uh, Two walks outside of that and five Ks. Still an incredible outing for Hendricks. Um, And you know what? I mean, uh, Basit on the other side went six innings as well. Uh, Eight hits, which is... You know, for the youngster, maybe not the prettiest number. He gave up two homers, uh, but also only gave up two runs and struck out five. And uh, both starting pitchers get a no decision for tonight. Um, it ended up coming down to the bullpens, which uh, after today's news was a bit scary. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, Craig Kimbrell is now your latest Cub on the IL. He hit the 10-day IL with some knee inflammation uh, this coming after the Wilson Contreras injury over the weekend and it has been uh confirmed by the medical staff of the cubs that he will be out about four weeks um could have been a lot worse so i guess i've never been relieved about a player being out four weeks but um you know hamstrings are delicate so if he's really only gone four weeks uh that's not the end of the world uh i do want to talk about one guy here juice because you know both pitchers wheeling and dealing uh, they tie it in the uh, bottom of the sixth um, on a Javier Baez absolute rocket in the left center. Roman Wick gets the win tonight. What 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 a story Roman Wick has been to this point. I mean, he only pitches two-thirds of an inning tonight, but gives up nothing. Uh, and his ERA is now 1.98 for the season. Incredible, incredible. But first off, Juice... I, I think this is going to be a uh, a Javier Baez love fest. Um, <laughs> were you as enamored by that homer as I was? Because I loved seeing every single second of that just rocket into the Wrigley night. Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I looked at my timeline this morning, too, and I realized today was the five-year anniversary of Javi Baez's debut with a cup, in a Cub uniform um, when he hit the uh, go-ahead home run in, in Colorado. Um I looked at Javi Baez's first home run that the, off the bat, it's one of those where you think it's, it's going out and you realize how far up the, the bleachers that actual was. And and rewatching it a few times, I was interested to see like if he actually barreled it and he caught it more on the end of the bat and he still hit it, you know, it, about 450. I think he was 454, which then to fast forward in the game, Ian Happ just absolutely hit the rocket in the right field that, almost ends up on Sheffield. He might have ended up on Sheffield. He hits it 474. I think this is a testament, like, of how strong Javi Baez is. Mm-hmm. The fact that, like, two home runs tonight, and he can get down on one knee and hit him out, and he's hitting his one of the one-knee home runs 254 feet, or 454 feet, like, man, that's some power. You know, and, and Javi Baez obviously has shown that power throughout his career, but I think we take a lot of it for granted the the different types of baseball pitches that he hits out. You know, you look at that pitch is not a bad pitch. It's low. It's, it's a little bit of a cement mixer, but he went down and got it, and just a rocket. I mean, you look at Javi Baez's strength, and it's just it's. I'm enamored by it. I mean, I don't know about you. I was talking with a buddy over the weekend. The Cubs are obviously going to have a, a decision in these next couple of years between four players, essentially. And it's Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo, and Wilson Contreras. All are going to be up for contracts in the next few years. And we started kind of ranking which ones we would keep in order. We can only keep two. And the two that are going to 
probably be at the top of everybody's list are Javi Baez and Chris Bryant. And if you would have told me that Javi Baez was going to be the top of that list like three years ago, I probably would have said you were nuts. I mean, you, you look at his, his development and the way that he's progressed, Javi Baez has quickly become one of the best players in baseball and a face of baseball. And honestly, with his strikeout rate when he came in, you know, the five years ago, and his, his on and off struggles, obviously in 2015, after Addison Russell got hurt, he had to fill in in that Cardinal series. And then that Mets series, he looked kind of lost at the plate. I mean, there were plenty of times throughout his career that I watched Javi Baez struggle mightily. And then it's like something just clicked. And I attribute a lot of it to that 2016 run because Javi Baez was monumental in them winning the World Series. And then since then, it's like, it's like if he flipped a whole new switch. And it's really fun to watch because, honestly, I think he's, I think he's played himself into a Cub forever. And I think they would – probably picked Javi Baez at the top of that list if you added the truth serum to Theo Epstein's, you know, Jack and Coke. And I bet you he would be at the top of that list. Yeah, I don't think that's uh, a far-fetched statement at all. And, and something, too, that, and this will this kind of ties into what you were just saying and, and his development over the years, it's really funny seeing those highlights because I, 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 too, you know, saw that today and um, – you know, remember watching that game and, you know, the the hope that was those Cubs back in, you know, 2013 and 2014 when, you know, Baez started to come up and then, you know, Rizzo had started to kind of make a name for himself and, you know, Bryant was on the horizon and, you know, it was just, it was actually a very exciting time to be a Cubs fan. And Javier Baez, I almost give him just as much credit, not only for his development, um, you know, with his plate discipline, becoming the electric player he is, but really, if you look at it, becoming the athlete he is. If you look at that 2014 highlight, he's got a lot of baby fat on him. He looks like me up at the plate, you know, at that ball. And you you look at him now, and I mean, he's arguably probably one of the, you know, what, top two or three most fit guys on the team. It's probably like him and Jason Hayward, I would say right now at the top and just terms of pure physique. And, you know, I would and, that's, agree with that. and that's a testament to his hard work and his development. And I think all of that comes for full circle because now with, you know, his body being in the shape that it's in, it allows him to be that elite defender. It allows him to make those supernatural plays. It, it, you know, his speed has improved because of it. And then to your point, he now is, arguably the most I think he is the most exciting player in baseball and you see it across multiple fan bases a lot of people are willing to admit that you know Red Sox fans have no problem saying Javier Baez is the most exciting player in baseball you know Yankees fans say the same thing and he really is I mean he he does everything well and you know and 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 a lot of that is his development and I agree I remember sitting here probably in 20 oh boy maybe early 2016 when, you know, the rumblings were okay. They need to trade for, you know, pitching and what are they going to do? And, you know, Glebar Torres was in the system and this, that, and the other. And there was chatter that he was going to be the trade piece. And, you know, three, four years later now, that, that to me, I, I am almost embarrassed to the fact that I was, I, I can almost guarantee that I, at one point in my lifetime, 
said, you know, well, if they can get a good return that's going to help this pitching staff, I, get, you, I guess you do trade Javier Baez. And thankfully, Theo is Theo and, and doesn't listen to anybody besides himself. And I agree. I think Baez will be a, a cub for life. And to be completely frank, I won't be upset about that. I love watching Javier Baez play baseball. He's my favorite player to watch play. Uh, just everything he does is, to your point, just supernatural. Going down on one knee and just getting the you know the end of the barrel of the bat on a ball and sending it 454 feet is just... It's mind-boggling, really, when you think about what he does on a baseball field. Yeah, and to your point, I mean, you look at Javi Baez, too. I, I think what really plays to the Cub fan part of it is, obviously, Cub fans since winning a World Series have, have found new love in their team. And it's been an adjustment period. I remember, for me, I, I, can, I don't know if I can speak for you on this, but after they won a World Series, it was almost like the relief of watching Cubs baseball was totally different in 2017. Yeah. And the funness of the game kind of came back because pre 2016, it was like, man, are they ever going to win anything? You always felt like they were always snake bit and they were never going to win and never going to break the curse. But now you have this player, this electric guy that you can just enjoy with ease and not having to worry about, you know, is this player going to be another one of those Ernie Banks types or Ron Santo or Sammy Sosa that come through and they never win a world series. They never are able to experience it. Now I feel like, we're able as as fans to just sit back and go, man, I am watching a player of the likes that I don't think the MLB has ever seen before. And you're looking at a guy who goes out there, plays the right way, has fun, hustles, you know, has has some, has brought some flair to the game. You know, I mean, there's not a lot of guys out there that, you know, bring a lot of that cockiness, but yet, you know, that smoothness to the position that he plays. And he does that on the base pass. He does that in the batter's box. He does that, you know, having fun with his teammates on the field. And like I said, I'm just really happy that he's here. And that's the Cubs didn't give up. Because to that point that you talked about, there's a recent report that just came out that in 2017 or 2016, they were in talks with the Tigers to trade for Fulmer. And Javi Baez was the piece that was included in that deal. That was going to be the main centerpiece of that deal. And it's sometimes I think the best moves that GMs will make, and they'll probably admit this, are the deals that you never make. And Javi Baez is paying dividends with the fact that they, they stuck by him. No deal came to fruition, and now he's a perennial MVP every year. Yeah, and, and I think, too, and obviously hindsight is always twenty twenty. You know, that was also at a time when Addison Russell looked like the true shoot, shortstop of the future, where, you know, he was hitting 25 home runs and driving in almost 100 runs. You know, so I, I think, obviously, now, fast forward to today, you know, Russell's now in AAA, he's dealing with off-the-field issues, you know, he's never been the same player since that 16 run, and I would argue Javier Baez has just gotten better and better every year, and so, you know, he's, he's, and he hasn't even hit his prime yet, truthfully, I mean, he's what, 26 years old, I believe, you know, they, they, they claim that the, the prime of a, a, hu a male human's body is ages 28 to 31, and if that's truly the case, there's better baseball to come from Javier Baez, and to me, that makes me feel like a little kid in a candy store on a Saturday with a, a fistful of 20s, um, because it's, yeah, it's going to be a good time. Can you imagine a 28-year-old patient, Javier Baez? I know that he doesn't walk very much, and it's 
maybe not in his persona to take pitches, but can you imagine some players as they get older, they get smarter in that batter's box. Can you imagine a 28 year old power hitter like Javi Baez? I mean, we could talk about a guy who could, he could hit 330, you know, get on base close to a 400 clip and hit like 30 to 40 home runs and bat in 120. I mean, that's, that's his ceiling. Mm-hmm. And if you would have told me that in 2016, I would have told you you're not, you know I mean? I, I, I just, I like I, I like most Cub fans always thought that Addison Russell was going to be the guy that would eventually swing up into the top half of our our lineup and and be the staple at short, and uh, that just never came to fruition. And they had three, they had two out of the best, two out of three of the best shortstops so far. I mean, you look at Cyber Torres as you mentioned, and can you imagine if they would make that trade? And you're looking at the Yankees now with Liber and you're looking at Javi Baez over in, in Detroit, and you're stuck with Addison Russell, who obviously this year, with a lot of off-the-field issues, I mean, you could realistically be stuck as short with Addison Russell right now, and imagine where the Cubs are then. I mean, they're, we think they're bad now, and they're 61-51. and 51. Imagine a, a Cubs li- or, or a Javi Baez list Cubs team. It would be very depressing baseball. I know that for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it would just, it wouldn't be the same. And, and you know what? I would even argue that the the 2018 Cubs don't make the postseason without Javi Baez, without his near MVP caliber season. Because there was, I, I distinctly remember, there was a good portion of that season last year where the, he carried the team. He was the heartbeat of the team. You know, Rizzo was struggling. Bryant was hurt. It was the Javi Baez show, and and I I still fully believe without him, they fully missed the playoffs altogether. And then who knows what happens? Maybe Joe is fired. Maybe you know a, a big name is traded from the roster in order. Maybe they d- just panic and and hit the rebuild button sooner than they should. Who knows? Who knows what happens? I mean, obviously we can sit here, we can speculate all day, but. I mean, Javier Baez went from a top prospect in baseball to, oh, well, he's going to be the quote-unquote expendable piece of this you know, young core to, well, I think now he might be the most inexpendable piece. But nonetheless, I think uh, we've had plenty of our Javi Baez uh, man crush Monday. Um, time to move on to a couple more of the events that happened. Um, so obviously, like we said, bottom of the sixth inning, Javier Baez ties the game. And then in the seventh, the floodgates open. So the Cubs scored four runs. Um, the first coming courtesy of Ian Happ coming into the game, uh, off the bench and delivering, uh, as we mentioned earlier, hit an absolute rocket to right field. Uh, that was a very critical play in the game to put them up 3-2. to two. And then Nicholas Castellanos again coming through with his 40th double of the season. Holy cow. <laughs> to drive in Jason Hayward. That ultimately makes it 4-2. to two. Baez comes up once again and hits a two-run shot this time to drive in himself and Castellanos to make it 6-2. And then things get a little interesting. Top of the eighth. Two-run shot for the Oakland Athletics from Nick Martini, which I think a lot of Cubs fans were going to need a Martini when this game started getting closer to the end. <laughs> but he hits a, a two-run shot and uh, and brings the gap to within two. 
And then Simeon again um, hits another home run, his 19th of the season, ultimately makes it 6-5. But the Cubs escape with a victory uh, after a little bit of drama in the ninth inning. And a very, very, very deep out uh, once again from Marcus Simeon to scare the heebie-jeebies out of every single Cubs fan on this planet. Crazy stat of the night, Juice, just uh, before we get kind of your final take on this game and uh, start thinking about moving on to the next game. They said that this was the first time, I believe since, I want to say it was 1995 in the broadcast, where two opposing shortstops in the same game both hit two home runs. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I I might have missed that part in the broadcast, but it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, think about the position. and Well, actually, that kind of does surprise me. You think about the position and all the power hitters that have come from it. You would think that two would have ran in in a matchup to, in the two home runs, but that's a crazy stat. Yeah, a very crazy stat. And uh, ironically, both, uh, both of the shortstops are uh, either current Chicago inhabitants or past Chicago inhabitants, uh, as Marcus Simeon originally started his career in the White Sox organization. So um, safe to say Oakland got a – he's turned into a really, really good player for Oakland. Uh, he was scary tonight too. Uh, you know, two runs scored, uh, two hits. Both of those were home runs. And uh, three RBIs ultimately on the day for him, and a very very deep flyout at the end of the game. That for for a split second it looked like you know the Cubs are going to be down uh, going into the bottom of the ninth, but instead uh, Ian Happ is able to catch it out in left field, and uh, they're able to escape with a well needed victory. Uh, Juice, just you know, now that we've made it through kind of the box score for the entire game, uh, just a quick take. You know, what what were your thoughts on the game as a whole? Maybe your favorite part of the game, uh, what stood out to you the most, um, and just overall, you know, kind of what you, I guess, digested from this this Cubs victory. I had a couple things written down, the good and the bad. For the good part of it, it was good to see Ian Happ come off the bench and really get into one late, give the Cubs the lead. I know that we've kind of went back and forth in, in group chats talking about the fact that the Cubs bottom of the lineup and on the bench and for bench depth isn't as deep as it was and when they've made long runs in the playoffs, but Ian Hatton may have carved his way into a different new role. And I know that a lot of people are calling him for him to play second base, but they just made the trade for Kemp. And I, I just, I feel like they made that deal for Kemp to, for him to play a lot more often. I know he's versatile. He's going to play a lot of center field too, to spell some guys in and out, but I just don't know if Joe is committed to, to Ian Hatt's defense at second base. So maybe the way that Ian Happ gets himself into this lineup is replacing kind of that Tommy LaStella role where he comes off the bench late, can, is able to hit a fastball, able to step in against high leverage relievers and get the job done. Cause there's just nobody on that roster right now that really you can turn to on the bench and say, Hey, get me a hit right now. I need it. And maybe Ian Happ can be that guy. I know that that's not his, in his progression timetable, but for the immediate part now, as the Cubs are in a window of contention, I think that Ian Happ needs to embrace the fact that that may be his role, and maybe that's the way he gets on a playoff roster. Um, the bad part of the game, the, still, the continued struggles of Chris Bryant are starting to get really alarming. I just feel like Chris hasn't hit a ball hard in a long time, and I know that he might be going through some knee issues. But with that said, you know he's still going out there. He had the off day um, yesterday, wasn't in the lineup. So I – 
is there something wrong with him? Is is he is he more hurt than we think he is? Because you know the Cubs are so tight in this division. Is he pushing it? With that said, I, I just I'm hoping that Chris Bryant comes out of it real soon because when that lineup is is ticking, the middle of that order is is wrecking havoc. And with Wilson Contreras out, Bryant's just going to have to step up. Yeah. No, I think that's well said. Yeah, and and that has been alarming to to me as well. You know, watching Chris and. Uh, that lack of, you know, even fly balls that he's hitting hard. You know, everything's just kind of soft contact right now. Uh, 0 for 4 for him tonight. His batting average has continued to drop. He's now at 284. Um, you know, Rizzo, I think tonight only 1 for 4. Maybe not the, the greatest outing for him. Uh, but he's coming off a 4 for 5 day yesterday. So I can't fault him too much. You know, he's he's hovering now around 285. And then obviously... Uh, Mr. Baez with his monster day, he's back up to 290. So at least that heart of the order um, are all hitting, you know, 285-ish or better. And then, you know, really if you throw in the top of the lineup, Hayward, who's been fantastic in that leadoff spot, and Castellanos, who has made a really nice home in that two spot, are also both batting over 275. So, um, you know, there's there's some bats coming alive, and, you know, it's the big bats, but at least bats um, are coming to life. Yeah, I, I think you nailed some of the goods and bads on the head. I think uh, just an, maybe not a bad. We'll call it an ugly for this sake. Um, you know, the bullpen is is going to still scare me a little bit, um, just from the standpoint of how depleted they are. You know, Strope has not been himself all year. He's still on the IL. Obviously, now Kimbrel heading to the IL is alarming, but. You know, this is why they go out and get guys like Phelps at the deadline. And this is, you know, why they've um, kind of found these, you know, gems in the rough uh, this year with guys like Roman Wick and uh, and Kyle Ryan, who have really stepped up. You know, Kyle Ryan has, has pulled his ERA now under three. And I think at one point this season, it was probably hovering close to four and a half. Uh, Kinsler has been fantastic he's been he's been quietly underappreciated in my opinion this season uh with a 233 era for himself and then i really like what roman wick has become um kind of just a an out there thought i kind of hope roman wick gets a chance to maybe close a couple games uh his stuff has been there he's been he's been hitting you know high 90s on the fastball and that under two ERA is is no joke, even though he's coming in in the seventh inning most of the time. Um, so you know, at least they have some more depth now in the bullpen, and guys are are, I guess, living up to their potential, for lack of a better term. But ultimately, you know, there's there's still going to be that little bit of hesitation as soon as Joe takes the ball from the starter. Uh, and gives it to somebody in the bullpen. I mean, I think a good example is with tonight. You know, C-Sheck has been very, very good um, all season long, and then in a third of an inning tonight, he comes up, and comes in and gives up three earned runs. So, you know, everybody has that night. I mean, that's just baseball. I, there's no way to to really, you know, beat around the bush with it. But, um, you know, that, that's going to be concerning, at least nonetheless, heading into uh, the rest of August and then even into early September. So... But that is just my thought on the matter. Um, all right, sir. Well, I think this is a good time to transition into tomorrow's game. So um, Let's do it. The, the Cubbies and Athletics are back at it. 
Uh, we got dueling left-handers tomorrow, and it's actually kind of scary how similarly dueling they are. Um, the Oakland Athletics are going to trot out Brett Anderson. I feel like he has played with this team like four times over. Uh, but nonetheless, <laughs> in whatever stint this is with the Athletics, uh, this season he's 9-7 and seven with a 4.04 ERA. Not bad for the American League. Only 64 Ks for him, uh, so nothing crazy part, you know, um, I don't think he's really going to blow anybody away with his strikeout numbers, but he's been efficient. You know, he's over 500 as a starting pitcher uh, for a very good athletics team this year. And the Cubbies are trotting out, um, you know, the, I guess he really still will always hold that ace title. He might not be the best pitcher right now on the staff, but John Lester uh, comes out tomorrow. He is also nine and seven. Uh, he has a 3.86 ERA and 116 strikeouts. So, um, certainly some more, you know, some better strikeout numbers there from Lester. Um, you know, Juice kind of, maybe what are your predictions? Uh, what do you expect out of tomorrow's game? Maybe what do you expect out of John Lester? Um, and you know, if you want to go ahead and, uh, give your fly the W player of the game, feel free to do so. Yeah. Looking at the, uh, matchup for tomorrow, you look at Brett Anderson. He's one of those guys that you, you got to really dig deep to look at the numbers and, Going into as I was looking at his splits today this morning, and away night games, day and night, away and night games, he has a sub three fifty ERA. So looking at he's seven and four in, in night games, uh, three thirty four ERA, and on the road he's got a three forty nine and he's five and two. So it doesn't look like the Cubs are going to have many runs to be had tomorrow. And I know it's Brett Anderson, and you look at uh, the way that. You look at the name, and it's not you know, it's not like a like a John Lester. You know, you look at that pitching matchup going, and you think the Cubs have the the advantage. But Fred Anderson has been really, really solid on the road, and uh, I think this is one of these games where you get you're going to have to move runners over. You're looking at maybe a four three ball game, and that really doesn't favor the Cubs with the situation of what's going on in the bullpen because if they can run up a pitch count on Lester and they get deep into that into that bullpen, it just seems like the Cubs just don't have the depth right now to compete at that. I'm not going to say that the Cubs aren't going to win tomorrow, but I do think that this just, this matchup just doesn't fit them very well. With that said, I fully expect the Cubs to go score like 12 runs. Cause I just said that, but um, I do, I'm looking at Brett Anderson's splits. It, it, it wouldn't surprise me if he has a good game tomorrow and the Cubs have to win a three to two ball game, four to three ball game. With that said, Lester, um, coming off a okay performance in the last one, um, kind of battled a little bit and struggled a little bit as well. Um, so hoping he bounces back. Cubs can hopefully win two out of three in the series. The, the, the A's are just that mosquito at the campfire that just doesn't leave you alone. You know, no matter how much bug spray you pour on it, it just seems to always come back and try to bite you. <laughs> um, that's, what, that's what this team is. I mean, you look at the lineup and, and you would look at it and go, well, this is a sub-500 team. You know, you look at the names on it. But realistically, man, they've played some really solid baseball this year and in the past. They're just a team that just doesn't go away. And uh, Brett Anderson is another one of those guys. He just fits the bill, the, a- the Oakland A's you know, type of bill that they-, they don't pay their guys a lot of money. They play the money ball game and Billy Bean. And you look at the guy, and at the end of it, you're trailing 4-3. to three And you go, how did we just lose to Brett Anderson? But – with that said, he's nine and seven on the year. I expect a, a really battle game tomorrow, where maybe the deciding run in the game is somebody who moves somebody over with no outs from second to third, and is able to the next guy is able to hit a sack fly 
get a bunt down or hit the ball to the right side to get a runner home. It's going to be huge tomorrow, especially since the Cubs are playing or uh, hitting against the lefty. They've struggled. be interesting to see uh, how they fare tomorrow. But I'll go with Nick Cassianos just based on the fact that it's a lefty on the mound. This is why they got him, and he's in a real hot streak right now since being a Cubs. Yeah, I think that's a great uh, pick there for your Fly the W player. Um, Juice, speaking of picks, so I hope you are hot with your Fly the W player tomorrow because I have not been hot picking games <laughs> with our guys over at Second City Picks. <laughs> Let me tell you, I have been like one run off every single time. I know you were right there the last time we did this, Ron. I just, was, so you, just so I know, you're going to win one of these times. I, I hope so, man. I hope so. I, I was I was really close with uh, the Cubs-Brewers game. I think it was, was it Saturday where it was the 4-1 game? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I picked I picked the final score to be 5-2. And, you know, for our listeners who don't know how I did that, you're going to go and find our, you know, our fantastic friends, uh, Second City Picks. Uh, the best way, in my opinion, to find them is on Twitter. So you're going to find them at second, make sure you spell out the word second, second city picks, and they're going to post the, your, your game of the day. So for example, as we're discussing here, Saturday, uh, it was Cubs Brewers and it's, you pick the final score and if you pick it correctly, you win a pretty sweet gift card. Uh, they've had Connie's pizza. I keep going back to the pizza ones cause those are the ones that really drew my attention, but you know, Connie's <laughs> pizza, Pequod's pizza, uh, Chipotle, they've, they've had a ton of different restaurants, um, and some really awesome gift cards. But what you'll do is you'll go and click on their website, which is secondcitypicks.com. You'll go in there and you pick the, the runs for each team, the hits uh, for one of the teams is a tiebreaker. And then you give them your email address in case you win. So I went in there and I'm like, I think the Cubs are going to score five runs. Click five runs. They ended up scoring four. I go in, I think the Brewers are going to score two runs. The Brewers ended up scoring one. And uh, the tiebreaker was Cubs hits. And I was like, "Ah, well, if they're going to hit, you know, if they're going to get five runs, I think they're going to have nine hits. And I nailed the hits number. So if I was just one run less on both teams, I would (laughs) have nailed it. But I didn't nail it. However, you listeners can nail it. Make sure you go over to our friends at Second City Picks. Find them on the interwebs at secondcitypicks.com and find them on Twitter at Second City Picks. Make your picks every day. It's free. It takes no more than 30 seconds to do. And you could win free gift cards. Who doesn't love free gift cards, especially when it's for food? You can take your significant other out. You can take yourself out. You can take some friends out. And uh, it's money that doesn't come out of your pocket directly. Instead, it is on behalf of our friends at Second City Pick. So thanks to them uh, as a sponsor for us over here at ONTAP Sportsnet. Um, but yeah, man, I'm telling you, for tomorrow's game, I, I like John Lester tomorrow. And, and, and here's why is, you know, at Wrigley Field, He's six and two this year with a sub three ERA. It's a two nine five ERA to be exact, and eleven starts. And you know, there's just something about John Lester and Wrigley Field. It's like a match made in heaven. It's like peanut butter and jelly. It's like you know, chocolate and cake. It just works. So you know, I feel really good about John coming in tomorrow. Uh, I think he wants to rebound after kind of that tough outing in St. Louis, um, his last time out. And I do think Brett Anderson's going to give them a good chance, but I really like your pick. I feel like we can't double up, but I, I really do think Castellanos is going to be the fly the W pick of the game um, because you said it best. You know, <clears throat> he was brought in to 
to destroy left-handed pitching. And he, he's been destroying all pitching since he got here. So I can only imagine what he's going to do to a left-hander. I think, you know, I think Tony Kemp is due for a breakout game. And by by breakout game, I mean, you know, he's going to go maybe two for three, just a couple singles. Maybe he's going to steal a base. Uh, and to your point, you know, Maybe the, the the last run of the game comes down to a guy being moved over. Maybe it's, you know, maybe Kemp gets on and, and Jason Hayward's able to to hit a single and advance him first to third, and then Castellanos comes up and hits a sack fly. You know, something of that nature could potentially win the game. And, and Kemp filled a huge need. They don't have any real contact hitters on this roster uh, that are speed demons that can play you know, good defense, and and he does that. So um, I really like your Castellanos pick. I think that's ultimately going to be the correct pick, uh, but just for sake of not having the same pick, I do really like Tony Kemp, and I do think he's going to also have uh, a pretty special day tomorrow against the Oakland A's. Um, so, yeah, no, those are good picks. Fun fact, uh, I'm actually looking at the current splits. So Oakland batters versus Lester for the career. Uh, Cubs batters versus Anderson for their career uh, for, further cements your point uh, that we made at the very opening of the show with Hendricks is neither one of these teams see each other enough. <laughs> you know, there's, there's four total players on the Oakland days roster that, um, you know, or bats that are on the Oakland days roster that have even seen Lester. Um, Which is crazy too, because John Lester has been in the league for forever. <laughs> yeah. And he <laughs> so was, just speaks to the, it, it just speaks to the age of the Oakland A's lineup as well. Yes. I was Younger just going to say and, that. And so. Yeah, he's. I man, mean, Ron, see, we are just always on the same page, buddy. We are just always on the <laughs> same page. I'm telling you. And yeah, and, and so really the only guys that have ever seen him, uh, Robbie Grossman has seen him three times. I think that was all in that twin series last year when it was 100 degrees every day at Wrigley Field. And I distinctly remember that because I was at one of those games roasting in the bleachers. <laughs> Uh, and we were all heckling Grossman in right field when he was out there. We were just chanting Grossman at him the whole game. Grossman. And he loved it. He was, he was you know, conducting the crowd and everything. It was fun. Um, but then, uh, you know, Stephen Piscotty, obviously, with his history with the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, and then Marcus Simeon as the other player. So those, uh, you know, really are the only four. And then same kind of goes for the Cubs. Only five guys have ever seen Brett Anderson. Uh, and only three of them have ever seen him for more than two at-bats. Um, so Baez has seen him once, Castellanos has seen him six times, Hayward five times, Kemp twice, and Rizzo four times. Otherwise, nobody else on this roster has ever had an at-bat against him. So it makes it kind of fun. It makes it hard to play you know, historical averages when picking the fly the W player of the game. But I really like your pick, Juice. I think that one's going to hit. Um I know I felt really good the other day when I picked Almora and he went for, you know, his big game. So um, I hope you get to enjoy that same feeling uh, tomorrow, sir, when they hopefully collect another victory and are 62 and 51. And then hopefully the Cardinals lose again and we can celebrate even more once the game's over. So um, hopefully if, nothing if, it's, if it's Nick Castellanos or Tony Kemp, it doesn't matter to me. Just fly the W at the end of it. Amen to that. Just fly the W. Uh, that's all we ask for as Cubs fans. Just quick reminders. Uh, tomorrow's game is a 7.05 first pitch. 8.05 for you Eastern Time Zoners. Um, and this podcast is brought to you by the ONTAP Sports Network. Uh, we are the number one home for all of your literature and podcasting needs for all of your f- favorite Chicagoland sports teams. Uh, we have everything obviously covered over here with the Chicago Cubs. You know, 
Juice, I know you've got them. We've both got them. Everybody's got friends that are White Sox fans. We have the probably some of the best coverage, if not the best coverage, around for Chicago White Sox. They do our guys do a great job covering the Southsiders. We got great coverage for Blackhawks, Bulls, Bears. You know, Bears training camp is really in you know full swing right now. Um, just a lot of great quality content coming your way. All thanks to everybody that's a part of the ONTAP Sportsnet family. Make sure you find us on the interwebs at ONTAPSportsnet.com. And then you can find us on the Twitter sphere, on Instagram, on Facebook, at ONTAP Sportsnet. Uh, go follow, like, you know, subscribe, um, whatever it is that you want to do. Uh, but do follow ONTAP Sportsnet for all of your Chicagoland sports podcasting literature etc needs um on tap sportsnet where your chicago sports are always on tap all right juice um i don't know about you man but i have nothing left to say uh, i think we we covered this game in pretty good detail and uh and did a nice preview of tomorrow's game so any final words for our fantastic listeners make sure we're uh we're getting a dub tomorrow boys 705 start let's go cubbies Yep, big, big, big start. Um, you know, they win tomorrow. They take yet another series and continue their home dominance. Um, so I'm feeling good about it. Juice is feeling good about it. We're all feeling good about it here at Cubs on Tap and at the On Tap Sports Net. I am your co-host Ron Luce. Thank you to you, sir, Mr. Juice, for joining me in this evening. And let's go, Cubbies. This is-